the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, first, there were wearables. Now there are swallowables. Suddenly a computer on your wrist isn't as cool as it used to be or as amazing or as evolutionary, revolutionary from the desktop computer, the smartphone to the watch. Now we're thinking about swallowables. The innovation at the heart of it is an FDA-approved ingestible sensor housed in pills designed to help patients adhere to medications their doctors prescribe. The sensor isn't powered by a battery. It's powered by the gut of the patient wearing it using technology discovered two-plus centuries ago. Um, so you don't have to worry technically about it. Um, people who are taking pills to control hypertension, that's one thing. But if you're taking pills to control drug addiction, um, who gets to see that information would obviously be crazy. Uh Privacy issues abound out there, but I like where we're going in technology. I do. I do. Um, an analyst is keeping his $150 price target on Apple, and here's why. Basically, he's saying, okay, stock's languishing near a 52-week low. That's understandable. It's important to remember that iPhone users typically replace their devices in 13 months, and 90 to 95% stick with the brand iPhone unit sales can recover if those sales trends hold. To disrupt Apple, and this is where I think it's it's well thought out, a rival would have to introduce a better experience from mobile to computer to TV to anything else um, as far as platforms go. They've got some more international growth coming down their sleeve, not just China who's slowing down, but they can pick up business in Brazil, Russia, and India as well. Um, Amazon's bolstering its uh, voice-based Alexa with investments in Tracker. I've never actually used Amazon's Alexa, but from what I've heard, a lot of people really like the digital assistant that kind of sits in your kitchen. You could say, turn on radio, how do you make chicken piccata, and uh, things along those lines. Check traffic instead of, you know, it's all voice activated. Apple can replicate that, right? 
Uh, SUV and truck sales are driving U.S. auto sales higher. April is expected to set a new monthly high. Uh, we're on track for beating last year's record of 17.5 million cars sold. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning, add a little color to what we're seeing in a rather dull market, rather negative market. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking all things financial. Mr. Burton, this is a topic that I kind of want to bring up. It's kind of near and dear to me. My mom, she's now in that 80-plus category, and she's losing her mind. She thought someone came into her house and stole her dryer, and it's the same dryer that was there. And you can't talk to her. Like, she's all batty. Um, so I've, that's my mom. Um, she pays some people like $200 to shovel snow. $200 to shovel snow. She's batty. Let's talk a little bit about financial planning and, like, you know, some of these issues that come up as you get older. Because right. you have to put your trust in someone. She's got her trust in, you know, her sons, which she's lucky, you know. But she still does buy some crap on QVC that drives us crazy. Oh, man. I know my, my grandmother, who was in a memory care facility before she passed, had four different subscriptions to Reader's Digest. Two of the normal print okay. and two of the extra large print version that they also will give to seniors okay. that have bad eyes. What is Reader's uh, Digest all about? Yeah, but have you ever read the short stories in Reader's Digest? I haven't. I remember reading those as a kid all the time because my grandparents always had Digest. I always saw them around the house, and I was like, I don't want to read that. Like, I'd look at it. I think and the it, short stories are really good. Okay. Yeah, you would like it. Okay. Being a so author. Senior scams and everything. Yeah. How do we fight it? Um. Well, it's you know part of the communication of even having a long-term care plan, especially now that long-term care insurance is so expensive and most yeah. people that are over 70 can't get it anyway, um, is having that family discussion who's going to be responsible for it. Yeah. And doing a family identity theft protection service is very important too. Okay, why so is that? Part of, well, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, I had an insurance agent mail me a document, email me a document regarding a client situation. Yeah. That document had the social security number of both my clients and the social security numbers of their children on the document by email, no encryption. I don't know what email server this guy uses. I don't know if they have you know, firewalls and things like that. And I chewed him out. I said, don't ever email these documents again. Yeah. You chewed um, me out about passwords. Yeah. Chad and, uses crazy passwords. It's always like ampersand dash two <laughs> underscore capital four. No, it's like I didn't even know there was a capital for, for numbers, but there is. Yeah, we have passwords and then the auth anvil where you you know have to get get your phone out and get a an eight digit code that yeah. changes every time you sign in. Um, our wealth management site does the same thing, so it, I think security is important, but it's it's still going to happen. I think um, one of the things that you kind of said there was you're going to have to work with a family member or someone trusted. Mm -hmm. But if you're a family member and you're helping mom with her bills and long term care, you need to read those contracts. You need to learn, like, because uh, that's, like, my mom couldn't handle her own long-term care at this point. Right. Uh, and she'd get ripped. She, you know, the hospital's not going to read it for her, and the hospital's going to charge her. And then, you know, she's in, she's going to end up paying if she doesn't do it right. The, and there's countless stories, and there are medical bill consultants that are out there, too, which which might be helpful for people that are dealing with big health issues of mom or dad that had a health crisis. but. You know, part of doing a family plan is also realizing that the person that's going to spend the time helping mom with all those situations, yeah. a lot of times that person might be in a separate state that is looking out saying, oh, well, you know, why are they getting more? The person that helps mom or dad, you know, it's okay to compensate them extra, leave yeah. them a little bit more because they were there for them. 
they took the time out of their job or whatever. It's a lot of work. It's very stressful. Now that you mentioned, I know two people whose um, siblings hate each other mm-hmm. because he lives right next to mom and doesn't go visit her, and I take care of her, and he wants more. Yeah. Um, he wants the house because he thinks he's entitled to it. And I, I've seen, and there, there's another one where it's just it's just downright nasty, and there's legal issues between siblings about who's taking care of mom and how it's being done and why are the finances disappearing. Right. How can people do that, Chad? I don't know, but, it, you know, <clears throat> if mom and dad are smart enough to compensate a, a person for that, it needs to be clearly will, written in the trust. Yeah. Um, it's almost better that rather than cutting somebody out of a will is to leave them $5,000, right? And so you get that, and this is all you're getting, and be very clear on that than have any ambiguity of, oh, mom was just losing it when she did the trust, so she right. was going to put me in the trust, but she forgot I was existent, and this is then problem. they sue. So if you have a financial plan, you should discuss the financial plan with your children long before you die. My dad died without telling us how much insurance he had. His policy had recently lapsed. Died without telling us how much credit card debt he had. He had about 60000 mm-hmm. Um So while my mom was mourning him, I was going through and finding out my dad was a financial disaster. I mean, that's kind of tragic because I should have been mourning him, too. And we should have a financial planner like Chad Burton say, guys, sorry about your dad. Everything's covered. We didn't have that. So anyway, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Number Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I heard Warren Buffett's Charlie Munger recently talk about a pretty interesting fad or play, he talked about how $15 minimum wage could put American teenagers behind the eight ball. And what he was trying to say was, like, sometimes you learn life skills at your first job. Sometimes you learn a little business skills and you kind of say, I do want to rise up. Interesting, some of the ramifications. Unintended consequences. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Middle-class kids may actually have an edge over rich kids. Um, In a middle-class family, the parents might cover tuition, but they might make that student work part-time to cover personal expenses. The entry-level job, whether it's school or coffee shop or convenience store, it provides valuable learning experiences. And like, think of this. Like, think about your own situation. And in hindsight, would you have been better off with one or the other direction? Um, 
In a wealthy family, parents usually pay all the expenses. They perceive an entry-level job as demeaning, an obstacle to schoolwork or soccer practice. Uh, you know, contrast children from wealthy families versus children from not young adults from less affluent families. You know, might learn to live with roommates in order to make ends meet. Might learn to live and get along with others. Might learn to network a little bit better. Uh, pretty interesting to think about, and I think that's one of the reasons why you hear a lot of rich people uh, say, "I'm only going to give my kids X amount of dollars in my savings." because uh, they don't want to overly empower them, right? Or enable them. Um, it's just, you know, work with that a little bit in your head. So, and see where you go with it. Uh, kindergarteners aren't getting as nearly much playtime. It's something I always like to study as education, because kindergarteners are our future. And when you compare the United States education system, it's something like 29th in the world, and you go to somewhere like Norway, and it's number one, and one of the things is that uh, homework is becoming a lot less stressed, because having network skills and being able to play with other kids is becoming more stressed. I find those kind of intertwined, if you know what I'm saying here. Um, One of the things that I think you need to master if you want to advance your, you know, business eye, so to speak, is, you know, a skill set. You want to be competent. So that gives you, you know, some good technical skills. You want empathy so you can understand relationships. Um, You need a little bit of sales skills so you can do some business development in your financial life. And management is something that I think is is critical. And what type of manager do you want to be? Because that leads to business execution in your life. Um, and what I'm going at with that is I know some managers who just want the employees to be his friends. I know some managers who, you know, they're so tight that they can't possibly open up. And in life, you have to make some decisions. You know, which way are you going to fall, per se, from that tree? A Bank of America analyst today is saying, we've never seen investors rush to sell stocks like this before. Whoa. Bank of America's Merrill Lynch big money equity investors are rushing for the exits. In a note on Tuesday, equity and quant strategist Jill Hall said the firm's institutional clients were net sellers of stocks for the 14th straight week. That's the longest such streak since the firm started keeping track in 2008. That's not a long time of data, um, eight years. But institutional investors such as mutual funds and endowment funds pulled about $2.8 billion from equities last week. So the big money's getting out, or they're going to cash. So um, it's worthy of note. You know, again, taking a look at the markets today, I don't want you to get too caught up in day-to-day market moves, uh, but it's it's not pretty out there. And you know, people will be talking at the gym, people will be talking at the water cooler, people will be talking, and they'll everyone will have an opinion for darn sure, right? So, um, some other stories of note today: stocks are falling in large part because China has inspired some growth fears, and. China's currency is getting stronger, thus the U.S. dollar is getting weaker. Um, Because people think 
well, the money's saying, ooh, China's going to get stimulus. Eh, I don't know if I'd play it exactly like that, but it's out there. A slight rate gain recently has caused the mortgage applications to drop about 4.1%. It didn't take a lot. Uh, total volume decreased about 4.1% on a seasonally adjusted basis. Rates moved higher for a second week in a row. I think this is a no-brainer. Uh, research is heavily linking Facebook and social media usage to depression. First of all, you have to kind of be a loser to sit on social media all day long. Like, you should have something else to do. But then you're looking at highly idealized representations of your peers. And it elicits feelings of envy and distorted belief that others lead happier, more successful lives than you. So the more time young adults use social media, the more likely they're to be depressed. So this should help clinical professionals help depressed patients. You could ask a question. How many hours a day are you on social media? Right? Aeropostal is preparing to file for bankruptcy protection this week and close more than 100 stores out of 800. I think that lesson that should be learned there is that retailer is very faddish. Um, and it's not a long-term investment. So maybe Ross stores right now, maybe TJ Maxx, because that seems to be a very strong trend that resonates in good economies and bad economies, but only at the right price. That trend is off price. So when you see a sweater with a $100 tag on it, you'll see a big X through it, and it'll say 60 and A lot of people go, see, this was supposed to be for sale for 100 Um Okay. Oil slides for a second straight day as glut worries return. Who was it? Was it was Warren Buffett recently said, you know, the seven deadly sins, I kind of like gluttony. <laughs> I don't know why I find that interesting. Um, I guess that guy doesn't have a filter. Or this filter is perfect. It's perfectly adjusted. Iraq said its oil shipments from southern fields averaged 3.3 million barrels per day, up from 3.2 million in March. So... Um, Saudi Arabia is pulling out 10.1 million barrels per day in April. Uh, you know, that could get to a return close to the record level ever of 10.5 million barrels per day. So pump it, pump it, pump it. Facebook had a great quarter and their stock rocketed higher on that news. And then since then, people have been going, hmm, and they've given a little bit of the gains back, but it's an expensive stock. Apple's been in a slide for eight days. It's a cheap stock. They're very different companies. They have very different balance sheets. But try to learn to compare. And that's when you become a better investor. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, chief market analyst uh, with briefing.com. Sometimes I want to say strategist, but analyst is what I should be saying. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. What's on your mind when you take a look at these markets? Because I'm seeing kind of a a day-to-day yo-yo, but it's coming lower or it's feeling more negative. Well, what's on my mind is that it's a very – distracting or disconcerting uh, behavior pattern for individual investors, you know, thinking about, you know, whether they should be uh, getting into the market right now. Um, You know, as we've been talking about for some time now, uh, I've been expressing, you know, my reservations about the market's valuation and the, you know, weakening fundamentals, uh, specifically weak economic growth and declining earnings estimates. And we're, we're not seeing a convincing turn yet in either of those things. You know, arguably what we're starting to see here in the early part of the second quarter really uh, is some economic data around the globe that, you know, continues to substantiate a, you know, a low growth, no growth rut for the global economy. And that might ultimately be supportive for the equity markets given the residual consideration that that's going to lead central banks to, you know, stay very accommodative with their monetary policy. Uh, but it's just not a, um, a convincing enough factor uh, from our vantage point when you're starting from a position of a high valuation here um, that, uh, you know, makes it difficult to jump in right now. So in an area like that, do you personally suggest or do you, does your team suggest trying to find something that is working? Like, for instance, I saw an article, a research art piece from Morgan Stanley that said Hispanics will outspend millennials by 2020. And a lot of my show, I'm talking about millennials and how important they are to, you know, getting a good tax base that pays for Social Security and Medicare. And I focus on millennials and they're not saving enough and they're not taking the price match with their 401k. And they're also not, you know, uh, they're keeping their money in cash. But now I see a good story on Hispanics. Should I be latching onto that in a market that's tepid? too weak? Should I be looking for growth? Yeah. Um, well, you know, you, you do kind of find yourself in markets like this looking at some thematic investing ideas or uh, what you might, your listeners might have heard other pundits call tactical trading positions, uh, which is just code for uh, a really kind of market timing, really. You know, you get in, you look for a short-term opportunity, and you, and you get out and you rotate into the next uh, opportunity. Um uh, so it is a challenging environment. I think, you know, it ultimately does boil down to, to that time horizon issue. You know, how long does one have, like you say, if this um, trend you're pointing out is going to avail itself in 2020 or by 2020, well, that's multiple years from now. Um, so if, if it's a, a theme that you feel strongly about uh, and you investigate further, then you need to identify those companies that are going to be in a position to, uh, you know, benefit from those trends. But the key thing in doing that, though, is is I think, you know, um, even if the opportunity is there, uh, you know, four years from now, and they're likely to be main beneficiaries of that, that's not to say that, you know, uh, the stock prices of those particular companies haven't already run up and are trading at a full valuation today, which is going to make those longer-term 
returns less appealing. So you need to be very conscientious about your entry points uh, when you're getting into, you know, thematic ideas. And uh, even though they're longer term in nature, um, you know, we can still see or have seen through time anyway that when you're entering a position at a high valuation, it makes it all the more challenging to achieve a, a very strong longer term return because a lot of that good news, so to speak, has already been priced in the stock. So you need to be value oriented. Uh, when you look at those types of ideas. Um, in a market like this, though, we think, uh, you know, we've been saying for some time now that we don't think there's going to be a lot of return in this market um, this year. Um, so in an environment like that, uh, where arguably interest rates are likely to stay, you know, relatively low, then perhaps you look at just some of those really safe dividend-paying uh, companies that, uh, you know, we've talked in the past, too, about these dividend aristocrats that have just a long-standing history of, of raising their dividends in any type of economic environment um, and are, you know, going to continue on that course and, you know, might have a dividend yield in the neighborhood of 2 or 3% right now, um, which is maybe all we can look forward to this year. Um, but what that does is it takes some of the, um, the angst out of it because you know you're getting quality companies um, and you're going to get some income out of that investment. And, you know, so you look at ideas like that, I think, in a uh, low-return market here. And um, and then finally, I'd add, if you're in a range-bound market like, you know, like we are, uh, like I think we are, uh, where you have maybe an upper end in 2100, a lower end, say, around 1850 to 1900, you're going to see this constant churn, this rotation between sectors. And so... Um, so that's where the tactical opportunities come in. You know, maybe off of this February run, you look at those areas that have not performed as well, and maybe you take some money off the table in some of those areas have have done very well, and rotate into those uh, smaller areas uh, or those um, lower performing areas uh, for the next transition here in the in the marketplace. Speaking of which, um, <clears throat> as far as transitions and marketplaces go. Uh, you're in Chicago, big city. Um, Aeropostale today seen filing for bankruptcy next week. Yesterday we saw Sports Authority basically file for bankruptcy. We've seen Kmart go through this. We've seen numerous big retailers, big box companies like uh, Best Buy really do well, then hit a wall. They didn't go bankrupt, but um, is that the trend you continue to think, that big box is dead? Is that a theme that we should just like stay away from? Is uh, this is a good thing, bad thing, because the way I see it, it's a lot of these retail jobs are first-time jobs for teenagers and kind of good training grounds for getting up on time and learning how to deal with managers, which ultimately could lead to college, which could ultimately lead to a little bit of business sense. Um, I think that's one of the ramifications of all these companies shutting down is it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt our workforce long term. But what do you think about the, the trend of uh, Aeropostale and Sports Authority going down? Because it seems to be going just all through retail. Right. Yeah. Well, you can add Circuit City to that uh, to that yep. mix. And, uh, you know, Best Buy did survive, but I think what it shows is that you somehow, as a big box retailer, have to be able to differentiate yourself, you know, one shape or another. Um, and it, 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 it comes down to management, I think. Um, it's obviously a very competitive environment uh, when you also have to account for the likes of Amazon.com. Uh, you know, which has a, uh, been tremendously successful in terms of its online presence. And then, you know, Walmart, granted it has its issues, but it's, it's the behemoth, right? I mean, it's just a huge company. They're clearly not going out of business, and they're always intent on being the low-price leader. So when you have Walmart in that traditional retailing space, 
combined with the fast-growing Amazon.com in, in the, the new economy space, if you will, um, you really have to be conscientious about you know how you're expanding your concept and need to be really on point with your merchandise uh, as well as your marketing efforts. And uh, for those companies that uh, have kind of missed that ball, who have probably grown too too quickly, uh, have, are, are overstored. Um, you know the ramifications of that are very disappointing economic or uh, financial performances and perhaps in some instances, as you've highlighted, uh, you know, bankruptcy filings. And in the case of Sports Authority, an actual, you know, they're not just restructuring, they're now, you know, liquidating everything. They're going to be closing all their stores. So um, so it's it's definitely a very uh, dog-eat-dog world out there in the retail space and, and these big-box retailers. And you heard that, I think, coming out of the holiday selling season as well uh, with declines in mall traffic, making it all the more difficult for some of those traditional um Retailers that have not yet uh, been able to enhance their their digital presence enough to uh, you know to maintain the market share that they're losing to the likes of an Amazon.com. So um, yeah, it's, it's tough, and you just need to be on point, though. I'll give the last couple of minutes to you to you know wax poetic about anything that you're working on, anything that you see, anything that you would you know uh, want to expand on without my leading question. Yeah, well. You know, the uh, something that you know, I'm going to be looking at, obviously, uh, at the end of the week here, we have the employment situation report for April. Um, you know, what I heard from the Federal Reserve last week was really exasperating for me, just in terms of the, the, the phrasing of the directive and just, again, leaves market participants and investors uh, just in that that lousy position of having to continue to guess, uh, not having a real good sense of, you know, when the Fed might next, you know, move its policy rate. Now, I get that, you know, the future is uncertain. You just you can't ever be, obviously, 100% certain about what's going to happen in the future. But when it comes to monetary policy, um, you know, I think the communication we've gotten out of the Fed is just so wishy-washy that it, 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 it adds to this volatility we're seeing in the marketplace. So, in any event, with this employment situation report should help uh, crystallize, in a sense, whether the likelihood of a rate hike at the June meeting is is going to increase. Um, you, know, you still have the issue of the Brexit that's hanging there uh, that might forestall a June rate hike. But uh, you know, if we get another, if we get a nice pickup in average hourly earnings, um, that topic of conversation about a rate hike in June is going to be front and center again. And with a market that's kind of at the upper end of its trading range, sporting a full valuation, could create a little bit of upset here in the near term. But um, all in all, it's not a market that I think um, right now you want to be chasing because uh, it's had such a big move in, in a really short amount of time. Thank you very much. It's Chief Market Strategist talking with uh, Patrick O'Hare of Briefing.com. Great source. I read his content every morning out of the gate, Briefing.com. It's uh Good insights into the markets. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. listening to Rob Black and Your Money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. On the iHeartRadio app. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. A lot going on on Wall Street right now. Uh, Twitter hits, uh, crashes to a new low. Um, I think that's certainly a big story in people's minds, right? As far as what went wrong. Why did Facebook get it so right and Twitter get it so wrong? Um, some people see Tim Cook going on Jim Cramer's show as a bad sign. Like, shouldn't he be doing, why is he trying to convince us? Um, shouldn't he be doing his job or something along those lines? Yeah, there's always questions, right? Pfizer is a big drug giant. Uh, they, pharma- they fabricate pharmaceuticals, Pfizer. Uh, they beat estimates. They raise the forecasts. They're integrating their Hospira acquisition. They're boosting sales of some new cancer treatments. Um, Lots going on in the world of cancer. Lots going on in the world of cancer, positively. Molson Coors, they reported a pretty good quarter. 11 cents above expectations. Revenue also beat. The company's bottom line was helped by improved demand and some lower costs. Biogen spinning off its hemophilia business as a separate publicly traded company. We'll learn more about that down the road. Clorox just had a great quarter. Revenue beat forecast. Clorox raised its full-year forecast. Consumer goods, uh, we'll be using them for a long time. Costco got an outperform rating by RBC, and at the same time, RBC rated Walmart an underperform, saying that intensifying competition, the growth of online commerce, threatens the retail giant's traditional model. Um, I would rather die than go into a store. Now, I know that's not funny if you know anyone who's committed suicide, but um, stores shopping just ain't for me. So Elsewhere out there, Johnson Johnson was ordered to pay $55 million to a woman in a case involving the company's talc powder, feminine hygiene products. Um, the woman sued, claiming the product caused her to develop ovarian cancer. Now, you think of like baby powder and talcum powder, and you're like, wasn't that, like, haven't I used that? And, like, I don't know the details of this case, and I don't know anything about cancer research. Uh, but long story short, pretty tragic. Um, <clears throat> women, what do they really want? It's always going to be a good question. So women, who doesn't love a good nap pod at work? Or a free lunch? Or sushi? Or an all-expense-paid vacation and free gym membership? perks that corporations offer um, when women are looking for a good job. There's a a site that reviews companies for women. They conducted a survey of 100 college-educated women between the ages of 22 and 45, and they found that fancy amenities like gyms and sushi don't make the top of the list. They want good compensation and flexible hours, good benefits, good vacation policy, opportunities to be mentored, Mentored and opportunities for promotion. So there's a portal out there that companies communicate with recruit that try to recruit the best female talent. Accenture, Dow Jones, General Electric, Johnson Johnson, OnDeck, Salesforce, Square. So they all pay to have a presence on this portal trying to say, hey, look, 
um, we do care about women and these are the perks that they want and look at the perks that we offer. So it's called Fairy God Boss. Companies pay $10,000 to be listed, to have their names listed if they you know, hit the right thing. Um, very low on the list, like they want fun coworkers. Women don't care much about um, amenities like gyms and cafeteria. Uh, not necessarily all that key on leadership roles. They just want good compensation, flexible hours, good benefits, opportunity to be mentored. I like that. I think that shows you that, uh, in this case, women under 35, pretty smart as far as what they're looking for. So I like that a lot. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. A lot of worldwide struggle right now as far as growing uh, growth. And we seem to be addicted to the lower cost of money from central banks. There's talk that the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates at their June meeting. Be prepared for that because I don't think the market really, really wants us to have a lot of that um, action going on of the higher interest rate stock market versus the lower interest rate stock market. Uh, maybe you wouldn't call it the higher interest rate, but you would say the, the lift from the, the super lows. So as money becomes more expensive, it's going to be tougher to pay for your mortgage. Uh, or the new mortgage will get you less room. Um, I saw a home on my street listed this week. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't afford it. Well, I could afford it, but I'd, like, wipe out a lot of my wealth <laughs> in the process, which I'm not willing to do. Um, <clears throat> 800 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, AOL was started over 30 years ago. Isn't that kind of crazy? At that point in time, only 3% of people were online, and there were only online one hour a week. Most people didn't know what the Internet was. So it went from something nobody knew about or cared about to something people can't live without. So 30 years ago, that makes me feel crazy old. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. So it's robloxshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Um, give me feedback. I always like to hear from you. Find me online. Talk to you soon. And uh, take care and good day. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.